0: La, 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 la,
1: la, 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 Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude, it is a decision, it is a project, it is a journey, it is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. La 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 la
0: la la
1: The interview you're about to hear is going to be magical. The woman that I'm speaking with is magic. One of her lines that I love more than anything is I honor my sparkly heart and I can connect with that so much. I did wanna give a trigger warning for anyone because there will be discussion of sexual abuse and the way that Dana embraces and faces this part of her story is nothing short of miraculous. I have Dana Parker who I already can tell is gonna be one of my soul sister friends. She is a professional life coach, awesome human, specializes in emotional resiliency, but I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her background.
0: Yes. So I have over a decade of experience. I've coached thousands of people all over the world in emotional education tools. I think that this is one of the most important topics that we could be talking about right now because it is a part of the human experience. Every single person on this planet experiences emotions. We are not taught, trained, or educated what to do with them or, or what it means or, or what any of those things are, let alone even how to name them. And so what I love to do is teach people how to name their emotions, how to work through those heightened emotional experiences in life, like big transitions, let's say through divorce, spiritual transitions, uh, job loss, things like that, and move through those emotions with emotional intelligence and move and and become more powerful on the
1: other side. So I that can't wait. I feel like I file like I found a gem. So I'm so excited ah. to go over it. But before we get there, we're gonna get to through. We're gonna get through. So first okay. question is why did you say yes to this conversation?
0: I think that this is a really important topic. You know, uh self-love, body love. Um, I'm a six-foot woman. And so this has been one of those uh topics and areas that has been on my mind since I was little. I have been um I have been, uh, defined by my body and by, uh, this outer version of me, my whole life. It is one of the first things that people say. And so it's, it's really caused me to, um, see myself in a different way, understand what that did to me, but also choose into and see the power of self-compassion and self-love in my life. So
1: I'm so excited to find out how you found that, that road, um, before we get there, Would you mind sharing your age? Yeah, I'm 35. I just turned 35. Happy birthday. Congratulations! It gets better every single year, I promise. Yes, that's the plan. I'm 35 years young. I want to celebrate our ages. I want to get a feeling for where you are currently in each of the areas Muscle Love Self focuses on. So on a scale of one to 10, one is I'm really mean to myself. 10 is I'm pretty awesome. Where are you in terms of your own body image?
0: I would say that it, it navigates depending on the day and circumstances between like six and eight.
1: Awesome. Can you give me a little background of what kind of circumstances could change it? Yeah. So, um,
0: I think the people I'm around often, cause I'm very empathic, very intuitive. And, and sometimes I can read people's thoughts and emotions about my body and that can be a really hard experience sometimes. Um, and, uh, that's, that's usually when I have to work really hard at separating my own story about my body from their emotions about my body and understanding they're a mirror showing me what's calling for love and healing within me. And so that's when it, it's usually lower, higher, um, You know, I have days where where I look in the mirror and I'm like, my hair looks so good today. It does I'm right amazing now. Amazing this body. By the way,
1: your background and your hair, I feel like it's like the '80s right now in such a great way. Like it is. Thank you. Fabulous. Thanks. Yes. So I really love what you said about being aware of what people have in terms of their thoughts and stories about your body. Your episode is going to be airing after the woman I'm speaking of, but I just did an interview earlier today. And it was one of the most incredible experiences. She is a self-proclaimed wonderful fat woman, and talked about how we need to stop using their word, and mm-hmm. that she said you guys called us fat and said all took our word and made it so negative and we want to own it and take oh, it back from take you. that back, yeah. I, yeah. She said, she oh, said, I'm it like reappropriate. It's like, it's a, one of those awesome words, like when people use the N-word and they re- repowered it and people mm. it queer and they re- so, mm-hmm. and I thought that it was such an interesting way. I said my entire life fat meant negative. Yes. And she oh. shifted my paradigm because so good. she's like, it's no one's business what my body looks like. And you just said that again, that you have your own story about your body yep and it's your body. Yes, it's my body. And that feels like we're taking an extra step past the me too, past all of that and saying, forget what I don't want you to touch or say about my body. This is my body. My body, my body.
0: Yep, this is my body, my stories, and I take accountability for them. And you wanna know one of the best things about that that I'm noticing? Is when I have accountability for my stories, and that's when someone else someone else shows up in my space, and they mirror to me my story about my body. Let's say I, I can feel their judgments of my body. Um, I'm not blaming them, and so what it does is it actually creates. There's still a relationship that can happen, however I want it to look, but I'm taking full accountability of. Ooh, this this person is mirroring to me my own stories, my own insecurities. And then I then have the power to change my story when mm. I blame them and say, you know what, you're going to be out of my life. You don't deserve to be in it. And, and shame on you for, for thinking that way about my body. That's disempowering. Cause you're giving them all the power
1: I of, love to it. have the
0: stories about your body.
1: I'm interviewing my grandmother who's 87 in a couple of days. And when she filled out the form, she told me that she's never loved herself and she's 87. I'm telling you, this is
0: common. This is so common. And I was
1: shocked because on the outside, she's such a loving human and Mm -hmm. is so giving. And I never knew that, even though I've had my own struggles, Right. she's kept it so close to her chest. And I want to empower all of us to change our stories because I don't want to be on a porch in my 80s saying, Mm -hmm. I wasted my entire life hating myself. Absolutely.
0: Do you know some of the most loving, generous people on the planet that I've met, because i worked with thousands of people, they're the people that are hardest on themselves. They overcompensate loving others because they don't know how to do it for themselves. And when they can turn that in. And when they can treat themselves like they do their best friends, that is life-changing. That was a huge step for me and my journey, treating myself and, and speaking to myself up here in my mind, a, the way I speak to a good friend, you
1: know, that's, that's the biggest thing is how we actually talk to ourselves. Yes. That for me was the biggest, oh. I'm so excited about you. Tell me what you would say your score would be for your own worth and your awareness of your worth.
0: I would say my worth is a nine, nine, 10. Awesome. What about your ability to use your voice? Um, uh, my ability to use my voice. That's such a good question. And in different circumstances, it's different. Um, interestingly enough, I've noticed this pattern with men. It's lower. My, my, How do you think? Well, we, traditionally, we actually, a lot of us as women are carrying these ideas that we've had generationally. If you think years ago, women didn't have a voice. They didn't have a right to own a home they or didn't have a right or vote or if they decided to leave their husband, they lost
1: everything or and do what they want out. with their bodies.
0: Yes. All of that. And so we're actually those, those ideas, there's lots of studies going on about these impactful emotional experiences that we've had and how we pass them down and so lately there's been a lot of generational cultural ideas that i've been challenging within myself that i'm carrying like i'm weak i I can't use my voice especially with men i can't challenge that and so as i work through those things i find you know i let go of the emotions behind it then i approach it with no i'm strong i'm powerful I make those lists for myself to show myself. Yeah. These are all areas that I'm powerful. I, I have a right to use my voice. My thoughts matter. And so I'm not overcompensating. I'm not, when I show up with men, it's not me saying I'm right. You have to listen to me. This is the only way I'm saying, no, my ideas matter. And so do yours, both of ours matter. And so it brings this neutrality to it. Where You find though
1: that as women, when we are aware to use our voice with men, that there is a judgment that comes with it that would never happen if you were a man. Can you give me an example? Yes. So there was this like meme cartoon meme, like black and white that I saw, I loved it and I posted it and it was so controversial. It was ridiculous. (laughs) It was two women back to back in an office setting. They were both at separate desks and one whispered to the other woman, Basically, do you know the difference between assertive and aggressive? And the other mm. woman said your gender. And there was no man, or wow. there was no man in the picture at all. And none of the women said it's from a male's perspective. I actually think it's oh. from both perspectives. Yes, but it's true. If me and you went and spoke yep. up for ourselves in the company of men, mm-hmm. typically not all, I'm called a bitch, or right. you know aggressive or know-it-all but if it's a man he's known as confident and like Mm -hmm. a baller and like he's got his shit together right it doesn't feel similar at all
0: i agree I I agree that there is those, and these are the cultural ideas that I'm talking about that we need to challenge and unravel. These are some of the ideas of once you do your own inner work, then you start challenging the cultural and and generational ideas and it it becomes so powerful, your experiences. But I think that that, um, what gets to happen in order to shift that is not, men, you need to change. We need to change how we feel about ourselves. Yes. I am not a bitch for standing up for my ideas and voicing them in an empowered way. If yes. you perceive that, here's here's what I often do. When I'm, when I'm being assertive, I'll check in with my intention. Am I purposely trying to overpower this person? No, okay. Am I sharing authentically? And you, you need to have an a- awareness of your emotions when you yes. do this, which that takes practice, but really stepping into that, where am I coming from with this? And if I know where I'm coming from, then here's what I know whatever reaction I have, it's their stuff. Yeah. Not my business. Because, not my business because I know I was approaching it with, here's my ideas. My voice matters. And I deserve to be heard. I, I play a part of this and I am a vital role in this moving forward. I'm so, so, so excited authentic about this. Confidence.
1: So what would you give yourself in terms of your score for your voice in between okay. whether it's with men or not
0: with men? Okay. I would say average. It averages out probably at an eight.
1: And just to be clear, I love men. I have zero issue with men. I just noticed for myself that there is a level of insecurity in a setting where I need to step my voice up in the presence of a man that needs to make the next decision. Right.
0: Right. I am with you. I, I do personally, I'm very aware of my, my stuff with men, my judgments. I'm very aware of why I feel the way that I feel and I challenge them. And I take full responsibility that they're my emotions, my stories. And, um, I also ask for what I want and I yes. deserve to be treated with respect and kindness and also, um, be respected as, uh, someone who is smart, intelligent, um, a leader, I, I deserve to be treated that way. And so I'll ask for it. I'll invite for it. And, um, that's what
1: matters is the story. I'm in the I presence ask. of a woman who knows her worth
0: and is able yeah. to hear her
1: voice. Yeah. So I'm going to just dip into your past because you mm. mentioned before we started, and I'm really excited about it. So you're in Utah. And of course yep. my first stereotype is, are you Mormon? Yeah. And like, I'm a transition Mormon. Yeah. And First of all, I want to know without getting too deep into it. Cause I want to start from earlier on is the area of using your voice in that community, if you're still involved in it, is that a hard area to use it? Absolutely. And, and I think it's one of those things
0: that's, um, it's kind of a, a hard topic to talk about because we have, if, if we have to label them, there's those who have transitioned, those that are still in, those that are still in would say, no, we're respected and we're heard. Um, Outside looking in, it doesn't necessarily feel that way because there's not uh, and across the board, there's not, there's not an ability for a woman to become the prophet. There's not. And and, um, there's not an ability for a woman to join certain meetings. Um, To me, that's not equal representation of uh, women's voices especially when it comes to disciplinary actions, that's one of those areas for me that seems kind of really important for nurturing personalities like women to be a part of. But again, it's not, I'm not here to say how they should run things. It's not my organization. You know, I get to run my own organization and it, I, I, it wasn't right for me to participate and be a part, but I don't hold it against anyone that chooses to be either. Cause I don't know what's best for them. I only know I what's best that. for me in my life. You know, at what age did this start to happen for you? Um, so 30, it's about 30. Wow.
1: So the majority of your life, you were a practicing Mormon. Yep. Yep. Trained, and what- uneducated
0: and, and oh. ingrained in it. I mean, and you too, i in the like, bubble. Those
1: things you just mentioned
0: didn't bother you when you were younger? No, cause it was, it was what I knew. It was how it was like, this is normal. You know, this is how it's done. And you don't question and you, and you don't look at it. Um, and that's kind of even the family that I grew up in is you don't question, you just, you just follow the rules. And, and there's this part of my soul that's like, no, I want to know. I want to know behind all the rules. I want to challenge those. not
1: like a woman who, is willing to not question or not know what's behind. I mean, no. if me and you were in a museum that was showing us the Wizard of Oz, I have a feeling that we would be behind the curtain. Going, first me. thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so I want to go back to your to your, your little girl time. Can yeah. you tell me what the women in your life were like for you as a little girl, whether positive or negative or both, what representation you saw of what women should look like, beauty, body, place in society, what was that like? Yeah so
0: women, women have the place in the home. That's where they belong. That's where, um, they should be. Now I did grow up in kind of a newer generation where it's like women should get an education too, which, has, which was powerful. It was like, my generation was probably one of the first generations where, uh, if we're talking church and culture that the, the high up church, the prophet was like, women need to get an education, which I, I value that I appreciate. I think it's important for women to do that. Um, and
1: so does that mean your mother did not
0: get an education my mom actually when I was in high school she went back to um school to become a teacher and so she was six kids she was on the honor roll she's a rock star
1: I'm telling you I want to give her an applause but was she was that not acceptable when she was growing up um it wasn't It's I don't know
0: that it wasn't acceptable as much as it wasn't it wasn't really encouraged in a lot of ways and and you know there still were women her age that got an education and did their thing but it wasn't it was like you grow up to be a mom that is the most honorable position that is the most important thing you get married young and you start having babies and you be a mom and that's that's your life that's what you're here to do multiply and replenish the earth and and that is your role and and. I want to speak to this. That is sacred to me. I have four boys. I you do? Love... I have three boys. How old are oh. you? So they're
1: 14, uh, 11, 8, and 5. I have 14, 13, and 11. Oh, wow. It is the most fun ever. Do you feel it like is. a gaggle? Like you're like a little ducky when you're all walking and everyone's, oh. are any of them taller than you yet? Because I know you're yes. really tall. My oldest so- is, tall, is, is probably
0: just a hair past me. My oldest is one size 13. I'm telling Kids. you, it's crazy. <laughs> I actually feel really proud as a six foot woman that I have uh, tall boys. And I'm like, listen, you can only date five, nine or higher.
1: <laughs> but but you know what? I was thinking because you were talking earlier about, you know, just really the, the strength I love in a woman about our full responsibility to own where we are and that we deserve to be treated a certain way. I think that we have an awesome opportunity as a mother of boys, because a lot of the women I talk to are the mother of girls. And that's a huge responsibility as well, especially with how we talk about our body and everything. But I feel exactly the same about being a mother of boys. Yes. My responsibility is to teach them what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. Mm. And if you watched us watching really stupid shows like The Bachelor and all that stuff, (laughs) because I love them, you would hear me saying, Why is that adult man calling that adult woman, a chick and a girl and they get it. Because we talk about it. Yep. Yep.
0: I love it. I'm I'm a huge fan of, of boys and I feel so grateful. It's kind of been my life. Like growing up, I actually was, I had four brothers that I was surrounded by and I prayed every night and asked, begged and begged for a sister. And I finally did get a sister, but we were nine years apart. So I grew up with boys and then my cousins on both sides were boys. So I've been surrounded by boys my whole life but I think it's because I'm such a strong feminine presence and I have a lot to teach in the area of emotional education. And I think to raise this next generation, you know, I'm raising my boys with an emotional education, understanding that all emotions are acceptable. What you do with it matters. What you do with that emotion matters the most, and I just I think it's powerful to have women like us that are raising this next generation of men in a new way. And I'm excited. I'm thrilled to see what your boys are so lucky.
1: I'm so Ah, excited. So going back to that growing up, I know you said you were very tall. At what age did you get really tall?
0: Um, Second grade is when I first remember people pointing out that I looked different. So you were put in the back for like photos. mm -hmm, Yep. Put in the back. Always, always like, you know, that's even my default now. We're taking a photo. Oh, I'm in the back, (laughs) you know, and people pointing out, you know, I was, I was teased a lot, Jolly Green Giant, Daddy Long Legs. And I just, I was probably a head taller or more than everyone else. And, um, and often the very first things that people would say to me is, wow, you're so big or you're so tall. And what that does as a woman is it ingrains these ideas, uh, in, in, it ingrained these ideas in my head that I'm not, I, I don't fit in. And, um, for me not fitting in is I'm rejected. And when I am rejected, I'm unlovable. Mm.
1: And so there's a lot of that to Isn't work that through. So deep how, because I was made fun of horribly too. And I, I see it a lot. And I, I used to be a teacher and I have to say that kids can be, so cruel. And it's something I talk to my boys about all the time, how this matters more than anything on earth. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you just made that connection that you were teased horribly. It made you feel rejected and not like you fit in. And it ultimately comes down to what if I can't be loved by anybody? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What if I'm unlovable because of my, my size and because of my body. And, and that's, I, I think it's actually really strong, um, in so many ways in my family for lots of reasons. I mean, I, I experienced, um, sexual abuse as a child. And so that compounded my ideas about my body. I didn't want to be connected to my body. I didn't want to, this was a painful experience physically. And so, and a lot of my weight, I, I emotionally ate for a long time. Uh, I don't really experience that much at all anymore. And to be, and, and really something super exciting about the work that I've done and the tools that I teach, I don't experience the side effects of the sexual abuse anymore. I am, I am, when I think about it, I actually feel it That gives me chills. I know to have that experience now where I at 35 and I didn't start talking about it until I was 23. I hit it. So from you everyone. never talked about it with your parents? Mm-mm. Nope, I was. I felt so much shame because especially in, in a, a strict religious culture, you know, I, I grew up where, and, and I don't want to villainize anyone, but these were just how it kind of went is that when you did the sex talk at church, it was like, you, you you put in a piece of gum and if you have sex before marriage, you're just chewed up piece of gum. Wow. And it's like, as a sexual abuse. Um, so you felt that immediately woman, from the people you were supposed to trust and revere. It. And I was like, I am I'm dirty. Did you I tell am, nobody? No, not till I was 23 and I had two kids and I was what married. made you finally say something? So it felt safe. So um it felt safe to finally talk about it, and it felt like there was enough distance. And um, I didn't want to be a reason to break up um some family connections, and so um, there was already a kind of a break in some family connections. And so it felt safe to, I wouldn't be the reason at 23.
1: That makes so, me so sad that you I had to know. even consider that after all you had been through, did you get supported from your family? Yeah. So, so my mom
0: is the sweetest, my mom, she really is so sweet and she's very loving, very nurturing. And, you know, it was probably one of the hardest things she's ever heard. Cause she's really intuitive too. She's a very intuitive mom. And so the fact that she didn't know was so devastating. And so we both had quite a journey to walk through there um, with that. And she, she's been very loving. She cares a lot about, you know, how I'm feeling and what's going on. And, and so I've been very blessed that way. And my dad was very sensitive and sweet. And, and, you know, I was very lucky too, that I got married at 19. My husband at the time, he didn't know. I didn't know that it was important to even tell him. And but I started having these major side effects um, in our relationship, with intimacy, with sex, and so I had to share and tell him where it was coming from. And he was so sweet and so supportive, so kind, and so I really had such a, a beautiful space to heal um, with with kindness um, from other people. But it was still quite the journey. I mean. It, I would say it was seven, probably seven years in when I finally was like, I don't, I don't really experience daily anxiety about it. And when I think about it, there's not like this, like (gasps) anymore. It's just, I feel peace. Do your boys know? So I, I haven't ever shared full, like the full extent. Um, I, I do talk a lot about what is okay for people to touch you where is okay um where you get to stand up for yourself i do think it's really important to make sure they they're empowered with the right words of their anatomy so we use penis we use they're all the right words um so they're there i've done a lot of studying too on how to empower kids to speak up for themselves because they're less likely to be abused and so um we've done a lot of talking a lot of you, you can tell mom anytime and we I don't ever like to force my kids to even hug someone or mm-hmm. to touch someone if they don't want to. That's a violation of, of personal That's so
1: important space. Yeah. Can I ask you a question as a mother? Yeah. yeah. So without making anyone in your family feel any blame, I can't imagine that those conversations weren't had in your home. What could have been done differently to make you feel safe to talk about it? Early? Oh my gosh. Like when yeah. you think about your kids. I would wa- I would want to jump off a building if I thought one of my that happened to one of my mm. kids. I'd want to burn down a city. So I want to oh, know great. as a mom because I do all the same discussions you do. Mm-hmm. What? More could have been done so you felt safe enough to share. Absolutely. This is such a great,
0: great conversation. And I want to start off by saying, I know my parents did the best they knew how with what they had. You know, generationally we're taught certain things, and then we do those things and we continue those patterns. And I think because of the shame, not only Uh, in culture and society that's wrapped around sex, but also religion. Religion adds another layer of a lot of shame around sex, that it's kind of a hush-hush topic, and don't talk about it. And and if sex is even said, there's all of a sudden, and I'm very empathic, again, such an emotional child, then the word sex, and I could feel everyone's shame. It was like, oh, that's not a safe topic. And so one of the best things we can do is normalize sex mm-hmm. is a normal word Yeah, it happens it's you know and here's the reasons why it's important to to deem that as as a really special thing there's a reason why these parts of you are so special you know and they're 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 sacred to you and they're yours and there's a reason why you get to decide who touches you and um and so I think normalizing things and I think having the conversations early on when you're, t- when your children have questions and don't just like, uh, you know, brush over it. It's like, no, any questions you have come to me, let's talk because yeah. they're going to figure it out. They're going to Google it. They're going to go to their friends. You oh, know, I and know
1: I've seen, they're I, going we talk too. about
0: everything at my house. Yeah. Talk about everything. Yes. And so creating a space of safety to, in order to do that as a parent, you have to work through your own emotions around those topics. You get to, In order to be there for your children in those moments where they feel safe. Because hurt people hurt people. Yes. If we
1: don't take care of our stuff, we're just going to pass it on.
0: And if your children come to you and you have all these negative emotions, it's not going to feel safe to them.
1: Right. They can read it immediately. They can read it.
0: They know. And so working through your own emotions about those topics are so important so that your children, you have this space where it's safe for them to come and tell you anything. And that's been one of my my number one goals in my own healing is I want to be no matter what a place of safety where my children know they can come and talk about anything, any mistake, any issue, and it will be met with love and compassion. And my emotions will be to the sideline. Yeah. You know?
1: You're such a good mom. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. So tell me about the transition you had at 30 and around that time did you also notice that your self-worth and your ability to use your voice did that start to increase so that was that was an uh, key
0: integral part of transitioning I actually before I left I worked through so I I realized I spent my whole life earning my worthiness mm. earning my worthiness is such an important
1: thing that you just said
0: I earned it. I earned it. And, and, and that's what I took from different elements of the religion. And I'm I don't ever want to say the whole religion is bad because there are great pieces that I kept that have been so beautiful for me. But there's elements of it that are very um, you have to earn your way and you have to prove your way. And for me, that also as a recovering people pleaser and a recovering perfectionist. Like I was earning love that I got accolades and praise, which I'm a words of affirmation girl. And so I got love if I was perfect. Right. And the unraveling of that was so painful because I was this angel child in my family's eyes. I was like, everyone needs to look to Dana because Dana's doing it right. And I fell from that in so many ways and realized that I had spent you know, after, after I fell from that, I made a different decision. I felt this like, almost like uh, anxiety, like I, there's not enough love for me. I'm not lovable because I'm, I've made these bad decisions. And that was the cognitive dissonance of I'm honoring my heart was the, the more soul centered part of me of, no, I get to do what honors here first, not what everyone else is telling me I should do with my life. So I knew that, but it was fighting against this. Like, if I don't do it all perfect, like they taught me to, I'm unlovable.
1: What so. was going on though at that age in your life? I mean, you have three children at that point. Yeah. So I had four. Oh, right. Cause your, your youngest was just being born or just born.
0: Yeah. 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 Yep. And
1: what was going on that caused the shift in you going, I, this is not, my truth anymore
0: right well i i had lived so in in the the culture i grew up in. it's like here's the list of all the things you get to do you do these things this is happiness and you live this perfectly and you do all these things perfectly and this is happiness and i'm telling you i was all in with the religion and i played the part i did the perfection i did the things and i wasn't happy Mm. it was it was mind-blowing It was like, so I couldn't even put it together. Like what's wrong with me was the default. That's the
1: question we always go to, whether it's a a relationship that's not healthy, whether it's a job issue, a relationship with a friend, it's always what's wrong with me. Yes. And I realized
0: that I had been people pleasing and building a life based on what everyone else told me I should. And so the moment, and, and there was actual, there's a class I went to where I, I recognized, and I woke up to this idea of my whole life has been created around what other people have told me I should. And I stepped into this new idea and it was, it was just this phrase. I honor my sparkly heart. Oh my God. I love that. Say it again. I honor my sparkly heart and that phrase, and I can even feel emotional about it. That phrase did something for me. It changed something in me. It was like permission to be me and to go after what my heart is calling for, no matter what anyone else says. And so that's where the foundation of transitioning out came from is I realized I actually, so we have this idea at that time, we had this idea that there's this judgment day when you get back to God you, you meet him at at his throne and say, you know, there's this judgment. And I had these two visuals. This was so cool for me. Two visuals. One was, and this is the people pleaser in me. One was standing before him saying, Hey, I did everything they told me to do in my life. I deserve to live with you. And that felt terrible to me. Like it was like, my heart felt small and I felt like yuck. Like I had built a whole life based on everyone else. And then that aside, I was like, what's the opposite? And then this other visual of standing before him and saying, hey, guess what? I did everything I could to follow my heart, to listen to to what my heart and you were calling me to do, to love people with my whole heart, to spread joy and laughter and goodness. And you know what? I want to be with you. I want to be with you and that felt so much more freeing and liberating than and honest and, just, and honest. And so for me, and I don't really see it that way anymore. Like when we transition, I, I don't see it as like a judgment thing anymore at all. <laughs> how did your different. family
1: handle? Like, how did your husband, how did your yeah. parents?
0: Yeah, it, <laughs> it was rough. We're still recovering. Yeah. And cause it, I, I did all of this. This was an inner journey for a long time. And again, because I was a curving people pleaser, I kept so much of it in and was right. Because was if you told everybody
1: myself, your truth, then everybody the whole entire, it would be like the music was stopping. What? Dana's doing they, what? Right. Cause I was so uh, that up happened to me with my divorce so perfectly. It was yeah. Wait, what? We had this plan. My family had a compound with our land and my mom and dad lived here and my grandparents lived here and we built this house here and I was ruining everything. Oh,
0: I, I hear you. It was, it's one of those. And you know what? Looking at it now, I, so I kind of am like an all in kind of person and I had this brilliant idea. So no one in my family has ever left. So, and I, I, at the time, I didn't have a lot of guidance and I actually gathered my whole family together. It was family dinner and I told them all together. And at the same looking, time. yes, looking back now, I was like, that was not a good idea. Like, what was I thinking? Why, Why? wasn't it a good idea? Because then everyone's there. And again, I'm a recovering people pleaser. So their opinions and words have a lot of weight in all life at once, all at once. Whereas if I could have met with them individually, it could have been a little bit softer
1: for me, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate. I feel like it would have been so many different separate conversations again and again and again. Mm. And I actually celebrate that you did that. Was you honoring your sparkly (laughs) heart? It was, it
0: absolutely was. And you know what I did at the beginning of the conversation say, Hey, this isn't up for debate. I'm not debating this. I'm so proud of you. This is, I'm stepping back and this is, this is where I'm headed. And I didn't, I, this is the important thing for me and, and anyone listening who's transitioning, I never want my family to feel like they're making wrong decisions because they're part of a religion because I don't want to feel like I'm doing the wrong thing by not being a part. I don't want to treat them how I don't like being treated. Yes. And so I show up in kindness and generosity for them. And honor and respect their, their wishes for their life, their beliefs. And I ask for the same because I bring it.
1: I I bet you had a lot of opportunities. My friends Sarah and I call them AFCOs, another fucking growth opportunity. Yes. yes, You had a lot of opportunities, a lot of AFCOs to use your voice, to Um, know your worth and to love yourself as you were, because sometimes actually one of the biggest gifts along the path is that Mm -hmm. nobody agrees with what we're doing. Exactly,
0: it's a gift, and I think for me it was one of the most painful things, you know. And the gift came from the self compassion that that was required. Yeah, required. Of oh my me god, I because, love that. Because when I left the church, I also had left my my job that I loved because it wasn't in integrity with what was true to me. Um, even though I was doing what I like to do, the company wasn't a fit. Um, and then we had some some uh, investments that went awry. So we had a bankruptcy and a job loss, and all within a six-month period of time, and then a year later, separation that led to divorce. And so, in in like this really condensed period of time, all these major things and major life changes. I mean, one of those is is life changing. But to have all I'm of with those, you. I'm with you. Like- I'm
1: five years post divorce, and I'm telling you that this is all about growth. And what I always say to people, and I'm, I'm interested to know what your, your thoughts are about this. So I watch all the junkie shows because like, while I'm spinning, I like to watch stupid shows. And one of them is the real Housewives of Utah. Yeah. Have you seen it? I have not seen it or watched it. I want to share this with you. So one of the women was, I don't know what it's called, but you'll know what it's called. They were asked to leave The church because she got divorced her husband divorced her left her with three kids and Mm -hmm. she just kept saying the entire season I'm a failure I'm a failure and was crying crying and really was like watching someone struggle so hard and I wanted as I'm a co-parenting coach and I wanted to be like Mm -hmm. you are not allowed to use the word failure if you have children involved this is not a failure this is a gift Mm -hmm. this is beautiful Mm -hmm. and it was Mm -hmm. just so interesting watching did you also experience any rejection from your, from the people around you when your marriage didn't end up staying to, you know, when you got a oh, divorce?
0: I mean, we hadn't fully recovered from the church. And so, and, and my, I call him my husband based me off the, the, yeah, the conscious <laughs>
1: uncoupling. My friend Tamsin taught me that it's a, was, he was with your husband. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, um, and So your baby was like a baby. He, so It was uh he was three when we separated and he's five now yeah and so um yeah it was it was a huge thing because he's still in the church is one of them which which the story in my head is that that matters Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: um and so uh and i do want to say my family uh, did the very best they knew how. No one in my family or um, most of my extended family that we're close to has been divorced. And so it's like a whole new ball game. And it was so, I think it blindsided a lot of them. Um, again, because uh, it was an inner journey of my own, not something that I went for advice on. It was a, uh, I get to make decisions for my own life. And um and so when I told everyone it was, it was so hard and uh, like just one example is he, they invited him to live in their basement with my kids
1: and didn't talk to me didn't tell me. People and- can't see this right now, but my mouth is open. Yeah. Um, I cannot even fathom. I remember my family in the backyard with my husband at who was my husband at the time, like discussing what I was doing and feeling so much betrayal. And my parents and I have since gotten to a really great place with it. And they've learned like, this is what it feels like. It feels like you don't have my back. And oh my God, that is so, you are, I feel like I'm just standing in front of a pillar of
0: strength. I know. I, you know, and what's been so interesting about that whole process for me is I, because of the tools that I have, because of the mindset, I can easily go to this side and say, you know what? It's, it's messy. And they don't, they actually really don't know what to do. And they're doing their very best. You know, my mom loves my boys. She is like their little mama, you know? And so she was so worried about them that that's all she was thinking about. And it was hard for her to even think about what was going on with me. And I I don't
1: blame her for that. And it hurt all at the same time. You get to have both of those. You have so much maturity emotionally to say she's doing her best and you understand why. And at the same time, I'm also in pain from your behavior.
0: It took me a minute because what I found myself doing is, is saying, I can go here. I can take my brain here that it's okay. They're doing what they're doing. And it would override my emotions. But when I finally came together and said, no, both matter. They do both matter. My emotions matter, and that hurts so deeply. Like I'm still recovering. I, we're still recovering. And they're do the best they knew how both matter. Um, that's a hard concept. For I think even at times when I talk to them, it's a hard concept. And and we're doing our best and we're rebuilding. And you know, there's been lots of apologies, and we've done this so imperfectly, and I haven't even been perfect um, in how I've gone about things necessarily, but I'm new to the divorce thing. (laughs) I'm, I'm new to this human, you know, transitions thing.
1: (laughs) You know what you are doing it with grace and dignity. And I am so impressed with you. I am positive. We could talk for hours, but I had lightning round because Me and you are on the same wavelength for sure. I don't know if you remember, but did you bring a a favorite quote you wanted to share? A favorite quote. So one of my most
0: favorite, favorite people that I love studying and just as an inspiration to me is Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And his quote is one of my, my go-tos. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And th- that's probably one of my go-to most favorites. Um, I, I love what that means and what that means to me and what, what, what that has done in my life to say, you know, my hurt, if, if I express that in hate, when someone's in that same space, it just breeds more hate. And I really deserve for myself and others to meet hate with love and boundaries and respect for myself,
1: period. I have to say you're, so I'm 22 years sober. So I've been around a lot of people that are awake. You're one of the most enlightened people I've ever encountered. Like I cannot even tell you how impressed I am with your journey. Uh, Are you ready for a lightning round? Yes. Okay. Here we go. So fun. Lightning round. What would your 80 year old self say to you now?
0: Oh, 80 year old self you're doing so good at this human thing. I'm so proud of you. I love you. You did it brilliantly.
1: And um, your hair looks great. Yes. <laughs> so you can see that a lot of self-love has grown and grown and grown. Yeah. What would you, if you could go back to yourself at 23, when you were going through mm. that period where you were getting honest and then all mm. that was going to come after, yeah. what would you like to say to her now with the woman you are today? Uh, I think that I
0: probably, it would be less words and more actions. I, honestly, I'd want to just cradle her, cradle her and rock her and hold her and tell her that she's safe, she's beautiful, and she's loved. And there's plenty of love to go around. And it comes from everywhere in nature, um, sunshine, from uh, the random stranger. There's so many ways to get that love and you're surrounded by it. Just open your heart to it.
1: I love that. Uh, um, my next one is, what does it mean to be beautiful?
0: Oh, I think that, I think beautiful is knowing who you are, knowing your values, owning your worth, and owning the stories that mm-hmm. say anything other And just, just meaning that you're not defined by them, but acknowledging like, Hey, some days I actually don't feel confident. Some days I actually have a really hard time loving my belly. Mm. Some days I have a really hard time loving my thighs, you know, and just in that loving humility saying, I don't have it all together. I don't have my shit together. I, I'm so messy sometimes. And that's completely acceptable.
1: Yes. I say I'm a beautiful mess all the time yes. and I love the four agreements. And I just yes. want to say a lot of my boys on a regular basis when they're like, mom, you forgot your cell phone. Mom, you forgot this. I'm like, I am doing my best. Yes. This is my best. Yep. We're going to turn around and go get the dog leash because we can't oh go gosh. on a walk without the leash. Yes. And they just know, like, I'm showing them that it's okay to mess up because we're human. Oh.
0: Right. It's, it is so true. I tell my kids all the time when I make mistakes, I go to them in, in genuine, like, I am so sorry. I showed up that way today. I'm still learning how to be a mom. I'm still learning this mom thing. And you're still learning how to be a kid. And we're just doing our best, you know, I'm going to steal that from you. you. I'm going to steal that. I'm still learning this mom thing. What do
1: you think it means to be a strong woman?
0: Mm, I think strength comes from the inside out. That is something I I feel really strongly about. And, and, you know, we've spent a lot of time as women kind of overcompensating with the doing and overcompensating with the, I have it all together. And I, I just don't think that is, I think vulnerability, transparency, and honesty, um, about yourself and about where you're at and what's going on in your life in the right time and place and with the right people. Um, I think that strength is, is an inner, confidence. It's that saying, if, if you don't know it, if, if you know it, you don't have to show it. It's like, I don't
1: have to prove that I'm strong. And so that is so awesome. You said that because a lot, I do a lot of co-parent coaching and a lot of the times one person will say, I've changed, I've changed, I've changed. And they walk around telling everyone that they've changed. And I always tell the other person, people that change don't have to tell you that they've changed. You get to see it right? It's all about yep. action. Yep. And I love everything you just said about that. I have two more questions for you. Yes. What do you want others to say about you when you're not in the room? Oh, uh,
0: um, I would say she's inspiring, uplifting,
1: humble and loving. Do you know what I've noticed? Cause I keep asking this question over and over Is And it's really interesting. I don't want to change the way I'm asking it, but I keep, I will see the same thing is all women answer how they want someone to feel because of how they are. Right. They don't want them to say, oh, she has great hair. Right. They say they want, we want people to say how we make them feel, which I, that's such a great message for me. I lied. There's actually two more questions now. Beautiful. Okay. If you found out that December 31st, 2021 was your last day on earth, what would you do with the rest of the year?
0: Oh my gosh. I think that I would be contacting as many people. I probably get on and do free zoom calls for anyone all over the world. Whatever you want to bring to the table, whatever questions you have, how can I help you? How can I support you? How can I, one of my most hurt things is how can I validate your life experience and help you see how amazing you are. How can I do that? Let me, let me do that in this moment for you. You know, that's, I think what I'd spend my whole rest of my life doing.
1: You are such a gift to the universe. (laughs) Thank you. Last question. What one piece of advice do you want every woman who's listening to hear? Oh my gosh. Um, real change
0: if we want real change for how the world sees women it starts in here it starts Mm -hmm. inside us It starts with how we see ourselves. It starts with challenging those old stories about ourselves. You know, we've had some amazing experiences with these women, these female women movements, you know, where we have a right to vote now, we have a right to own a home and there's these outer world results that are changing. But if we want real lasting change for women, you know, equal pay, all all kinds of things, we have a, a ways to go, it's inside first. You change inside your stories, how you feel about yourself, the things that have been passed down to you, the generational traditions, you change those and the world cannot help but change for you. That is the power of being a woman. That is the power of changing the world. It's inner world healing for outer world
1: results. I feel like lifted up and energized. You are just (laughs) so glad. I'm I truly know that we're not done in each other's lives. I agree. And I cannot wait for what's next. I want to thank you for your energy and your light you. and your strength and your beauty and your vulnerability. Oh, thank you. Thank I you so the same much. Way.
0: Thank you for what you're doing for women, Carly. Thank you for the impact that you're having. I feel that that as I tune into what you're doing, you're actually gathering information. That is going to be so valuable for us as women to understand um, and and to connect and to understand that we're actually very much the same. Yes. That will be vital for connecting women. And when women connect, we are unstoppable. I love feel it. Like so we're separate, so- we're we we're, we're we're a little bit more weakened. But when we connect, and that's what you're here to do. I can feel it, and you're doing it. When you connect us as women and you, you, you even this playing ground, it will change our world. I just, I have chills everywhere. I do too. You're on it, girl. You're on it.
1: I'm so grateful for you. I cannot even tell you, Dana. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was so excited while talking with Dana that I forgot to share with you how to get in touch with her. Go to innerworldmovement.com. I will also include this in the show notes. Thank you and have an awesome day. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating, a paperback, and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you.
0: La, 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 la